are beginning a new message series this week. And the conversation is going to be centered around just the busyness of our life. Uh, a book that came out a couple years ago called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. That, that phrase actually came from a conversation that John Ortberg, who is a PCA pastor in California, had with his mentor, Dallas Willard, who's a well-known Christian philosopher who taught at the University of Southern California. And Dallas has written many things on spiritual formation and spiritual habits and just how do we find rhythms in our life to find margin. And it's interesting that as John Orberg was taking on a position at a church in a large community, a mega church, he rung Dallas on the phone and asked the question, you know, and, and really was hoping to have a dialogue that was going to be rich and full over many ideas about what he needed to do as a pastor to be spiritually healthy. Now, what's interesting is apparently there was a long pause, and then Dallas made this statement to him, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So John Ortberg, as a good student, writes those words down, and he's waiting for more insights from his mentor, uh, Dallas Willard. And John says, well, Dallas, that was a good one. Uh, now, what else is there? And again, after a long pause, Dallas' answer was simply, there is nothing else. And so when you think about where we've been over the last few weeks as we've traveled literally around the world, tens of thousands of miles from, from Mansfield to a conversation with our friend Steve, who was in Florida, who talked to us about Haiti, and then our friend Jeff, who is a, a first-generation Cuban-American, talked about what was going on in Cuba. And then we traveled uh, thousands of miles around the back of the world to uh, Botswana and talked with our friend uh, Una, as I set it up and before we started recording, in each of those, we just talked about the season of life that we find ourselves in. And so to be honest, this message series is, is much to help me think through just where I'm finding my own self and my own spiritual journey right now. And I, I need to warn you that I'm probably going to raise more questions at least this first week than I'm going to have answers. And to be quite honest, I'm not even going to try to offer a solution today. Truth is, so many of our problems in life are just way too complicated to be able to solve in a 25-minute conversation here or, or less. And so I want to apologize on the front end that by the time we get to the end of our conversation today, you may feel a little frustrated. And if so, that's part of my goal, just to make us a little uncomfortable about where we find ourselves in this current season. And so at the same time, I may offend you, and that's not my intention. And it's not something that you're going to expect from a pastor. But even the idea of understanding what our faith is all about right now, that maybe our Christianity isn't working. When we look at just the messiness of our lives, and we look at the messiness of our culture, it just seems like there's just so much that's moving, that uh, these deeper questions that we need to be wrestling through. And to be honest, even coming out of COVID, and now we're back into whatever the second round is, right? Third round of uh, now with the variants. And even here in the church, we've gone back to just for safety, 
Uh, we're socially distancing every other pew and encouraging families to sit. We're not requiring masks. But still, as we're trying to be cautious, even as we saw this week, some of our local health officials have now said that offices should uh, encourage people to wear masks. And as we continue to try to lean into having a clear understanding of that, I just wonder, you know, when we look at our faith perspective, you know, on life in general, you know, is our faith working? When we think about what came out of COVID and all the busyness that we actually leaned into prior to COVID in our churches specifically, and then even we think about all that we experienced and how discouraged because we know it seems like our prayers aren't working. And yet at the same time, we do the right thing, and yet everything goes wrong. And it just feels as though our faith, our Christianity, isn't producing what it should. Think about, you've got you know, a boy who grows up in church, is active, uh, goes to VBS and church camp, and is involved in the youth group, and you know, he begins dating because he meets somebody through a youth group at church, and Yet at the same time, what he sees at his home isn't consistent with what he hears at church because he sees the messiness of mom and dad trying to make life work. And yet what he may see is that the parents are leaders in the church, but when they're at home, there's just all this disagreement. And he prays for a miracle and then the parents end up divorcing. And then the young man will, you know, ask God, why, why didn't my prayer work? Or do you even care, God? Or even this thing I call Christianity, does it work? Or take a, a couple who, who loves Jesus. I just heard about a couple uh, this week who they've been doing everything right. And they were so excited to, to be uh, parents of a, a child that was supposed to have been born last week. And then after going full term, and she was actually supposed to go in for a C-section, they found out that the baby was stillborn. And so all the grief that comes into that, I mean, these people served in their church and, and they were active in all the good things and yet they, they lost their, their child. And just how that has put a strain now, even in this last week, on their marriage and on their family, on their goals and dreams. And you have to admit in that moment that they, to ask the question, where is God, is a valid question. Now, too, and it may be that it, our lives maybe aren't so drastic or dramatic, right? That, that we're active in our church, that we read our Bible on a regular basis, that we listen to Christian radio, that we've got a good job, we have an amazing home in which we can live, we have a, a car that functions, we've got friends that love on us, we get to go on vacation and enjoy life, and yet maybe we're just not happy, that there's this deeper sense that we're not fulfilled. So again, is our Christianity working? We want to ask a, a question of where is Jesus in this? And in truth, I want to share a scripture here out of John chapter 14 that I think will help give some focus to this. Look here at John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that? I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, and I love Thomas, I guess that's why I'm named Thomas, because he sort of raises his hand from the back of the room and says, but Jesus, we don't know. In fact, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? 
And then Jesus answers him, I am the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through me. Where we're going then over the next few weeks is looking at this idea of the way of Jesus. I mean, we know that Jesus is the truth, right? And we know that he's the life, but we want to look at his way. So let's pray together now. Jesus, we pray that you would be present to us this morning through your Holy Spirit. Father, that you would guide us to better understand the way that you have set for us. And we just pray for rhythms and for practices that can help us stay connected to you in all good things. And we pray it together in Christ's name. Amen. We want to see here that the, 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 the way, the Jesus way matters. We can all say the right thing, but we can do it the wrong way. And especially in our marriages, right? We see that where you can make the statement, is that what you're wearing? Or is that what you're wearing? Or is that what you're wearing? I mean, voice inflection has all sorts of impact on the way people interpret what we say. And it's interesting that for us as Christians, that there is the way of truth we know, but we also need to see in this context that Jesus says there is a way and there is a truth and there is a life that we're invited into. And for most of us, we generally focus on the truth. Uh, that's important, and it, it, we know because the truth can set us free. But we often even talk about the truth of Jesus, but we don't really talk about the way of Jesus. Here's a little Bible trivia for you. What were the first century Christians called? They weren't called Christians, and they weren't called religious, and they weren't called Bible thumpers, and they weren't called Jesus freaks. These uh, Christians who were spirit-filled, who loved Jesus, who were self-sacrificing, and we know they were world changers because we exist today as the modern day church because of their good work, they were known as people of the way. So we need to see that their goal wasn't just right theology, and it wasn't just a strong morality, but truthfully, the early Christians, their goal was to live and to love the way Jesus lived and loved. We wanna think about the way that Jesus lived. I want to compare it to how most of us live, right? Jesus was full of joy, and most of us in our lives right now, it just seems like it's full of stress. Jesus didn't worry, and some say that this is the most anxious generation in, in history. In fact, as we looked at that a couple weeks ago in the book from our friends at Fuller Youth Institute, they said in surveying Zers currently that that's their number one issue is anxiety. And what's really interesting is we look at the life of Jesus and the way of Jesus is that Jesus stopped for people. And to be honest, none of us have time for that. It just seems as though it's true. Uh, and yet we also know when we look at Jesus and his character, that Jesus was consumed with an ongoing fellowship with his father. And yet, if you're honest, I mean, truthfully, I know for me, I, I can't stop and pray for three minutes without some kind of distraction. It, it really is the reality of our lives. And, and so I wonder if we would just take a moment and, and imagine if Jesus were like us, it would be almost impossible, right? What I mean by that is this, is that, I mean, that Jesus, instead of having open-toed sandals, that he maybe had a pair of Air Jordans or a pair of Nikes, right? Or when he's looking through Instagram, and scrolling through and just wondering why is it that uh, John the Baptist has more followers than he? Or maybe it's been really a long week and, and we're all ready for a cold beer possibly, right? 
When Jesus went somewhere, he walked, much different than our lives today. He, he even took his time, if you will. And yet when you look at our lives, we're always pushing into it. We're always overwhelmed. We're always rushed about life. And to be honest, we're rushing to become people that we don't even like. The way our lives push us in so many different directions. And if all of us would sit down with our yearbook, maybe from high school, or scroll through our photo feed from on our phones and look back over the last decade and a half especially, just to see uh, how much life was easier in an earlier day, that there was, you know, our lives were filled with laughter and there, the life was seemed to be carefree and even the idea of how much we've all changed, right? And when we're honest in this current moment, I think many of us realize that the lives we've been leading are actually maybe doing more harm to us than good. That the very way that we're doing life, our schedule and our pace, are actually crushing us. And then out of that comes our insecurities and our unresolved hurts. And, and then our deepest fears come to the surface. And then things that distract us. But that's how we do it, right? This is the way that the world works. It's the way to success, they say. It's the way to win. It's the way to get ahead. It's the way to be happy. We just have to push it harder. We have to drive it harder. We have to achieve and then conquer and then do it all over again. I mean, that's the way we do it. It's just the way we do it as human beings. But it's interesting, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And so this whole conversation has been spurred on in a book that I've read recently and I'm rereading now, entitled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry which is, again, this quote that I began with from Dallas Willard. And the book was written by John Mark Comer. John is a pastor in Portland, Oregon, which is one of the most secular areas in our country. And again, what does Jesus say? He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What's interesting here is this phrase from Jesus, take my yoke. Kind of a weird thing, this, what a yoke is, if you've never seen one. It's basically, uh, it's made out of wood and it's two pieces. And it's fastened over the neck of two animals. And it's attached, usually, and the animals are attached to a plow or a cart. And so it's a work tool. And it's like, really? So Jesus is saying, take my yoke? I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like it's, it could be a, a, an opportunity to be miserable and overwhelmed and the weight that would be on our necks. And what's interesting here when we look at the yoke is it's not a single yoke. That a yoke is always about joining two animals that will work together to accomplish more and to be able to work at the same pace. Jesus is inviting us to a better way to be joined with him. And we don't want to just believe his truth, but we want to live his way, to live like Jesus lived. I can hear people saying, Jesus wasn't a single mom working two jobs. He didn't have student debt, or he didn't work with my boss. Yet at the same time, he, we were told it's a pretty big assignment to be perfect, right? And, and die to the world, to disconnect from the crowd. And to know that you know, where Jesus found his comfort in his place was with spending time with his heavenly father. Or as we read in the scriptures, the long meals that he had or the deep conversations. 
And to be honest, Jesus in his character, in his way, he, he always stopped to listen. And he always stopped to love those that were hurting. I'm not going to give you a quick fix today. A simple one, two, three, and you're fixed. Or take the red pill or the blue pill and you can figure out how to move forward in a positive way. What I really want to do is have all of us sit in the frustration just long enough so that it's like there's got to be something better. There's got to be something that Jesus offers us in his way that makes life fulfilled as he promises us. So where are we going with this? I mean, truthfully, most of us live life that's rushed and stressed and certainly overwhelmed. And so what I want us to learn in these next weeks together is what Dallas Willard calls the unhurried rhythms of grace. And we'll unpack that. And then I know for many Christians that people who are struggling to figure out their faith journey, that they get overcome by temptation. And then when we get overcome by temptation, we feel far from God. And then that leads into us just feeling spiritually dry or dull. So I want to talk about the unbroken fellowship with the Father, of what it is that Jesus experienced. And then when we think about how unfocused and how preoccupied and how distracted we are by stupid stuff, what people think and what they post, what we have or what we don't have, what doesn't last. And, and really, that's simply about the uncluttered pursuit of God's mission. For, for some of us, it's regretting the past. And at the same time, we're worried about the future. And yet, how do we be present physically when our mind is somewhere else? And so another thing we're going to talk about is the undivided attention in the moment. Because I don't know about you, I'm just tired of the grind. I'm tired of the stress. I'm tired of seeing people miserable and feeling miserable myself sometimes. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being anxious. There's just too many problems to solve, and there's too much weight to carry. And to be honest, in our time right now, in our culture, in our community, there's just too much pain to bear. And so the way of Jesus is our rescue, it, because it's not just the truth of Jesus. It's his way, the way and rhythm of his life. Now, let me take a moment. I want to go back to a video we produced back during the lockdown, had a chance to visit some of our more senior members that participated and sharing the truth of the 23rd Psalm. So let's watch that now. The 23rd Psalm. This would be a Psalm of David. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides, besides still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 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 He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Of righteousness for his name's sake. It's me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. Righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I fear no evil. I fear no evil. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. For thou art with me. 
Thy bride and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me. Preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Mercy shall follow me. Follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. That I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. The Lord forever. In the house of the Lord forever. 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 Amen. It's so beautiful to see our more mature members say these words that are so true for us out of Psalm 23. And what does Psalm 23 tell us? It says that the Lord is my shepherd, that we shall not want, that he makes me, what, be still, lie down in still waters, and all that so that we will know that God is God. Because the reality is, for many of us, I think, the way we've been doing our lives, even doing the work of God, is actually not being productive whatsoever. And that the way of Jesus can be something that can move our world in a whole new way. And so the promise to us is that if we come to Jesus, he's going to give us rest. It's not something we have to earn. It's actually the gift that he gives us. As we read earlier, he said to take his yoke, to join him, to do life with Jesus guiding us in each step. And in doing that, we will find rest for our souls. Well, what else can I say today? I'm not going to say anything else. There's nothing today to offer other than simply it begins with Jesus. So just come to Jesus.